Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hi, today it's my great pleasure to welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, Roberto Beltran. Roberto, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited. So Roberto works at LinkedIn, where he is sales tech evangelist. I always like to ask our guests two questions. The first is, what is your favorite sales or leadership book of all time? The book that I've been reading lately and has really, really helped me is uh, Robert Greene's The Laws of Human Nature. It taps into the more fundamental question, especially for the people who are sales impaired, like myself, (laughs) (laughs) on just understanding humans and how they work to then be able to get to a place to where you can actually close a deal. It's about how people think. Not only that, but he walks you through actual examples in history of how a, you know, a specific approach or, or concept he's talking about has either failed or succeeded in the past, which gives it an interesting twist on uh, just leadership development, I think. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I have read his book, Mastery, which was also very good. I know he has another one called Power that's on my list. Well, then that leads me to my second question, which is to wind the clock back in time to the first thing you ever remember selling. I actually have a very vivid memories of this. I was in first grade. I actually grew up in Mexico. I had the idea to buy the cheapest candy I could find and sell it for double what it cost me in class. And the teacher actually allowed me to do it, although had the unpleasant experience of dealing with the older brothers of some of my customers and was forced to give them the money back. So that was my first experience in sales, yes. <laughs> Let's get a little bit into your background, and, and it will speak a little bit to how sales is evolving, and I can definitely speak to some of my own experiences here, but I noticed that you graduated with the same degree I did, a degree in electrical engineering. You know, I was, I was fascinated by the theory behind radio propagation, electronics. It seemed theoretical, yet somewhat like magic at the same time. And not only that, but a lot of RF engineers, it's sort of an art. You can't really teach a person to be an RF engineer. So that was sort of my my goal was to be uh, one of the few RF engineers that was really skilled in the country. Did some internships uh, with a few startups out on the East Coast. And I actually interned with the same company for two summers, got offered a job upon graduation. But doing the job, I didn't get the amount of human interaction I think I craved. I was, you know, largely locked in a lab doing propagation testing and just felt like I was losing my mind. I started just looking around and seeing how can I sort of mix my technical background, but maybe that's something, you know, more business focused. I happened to stumble on consulting and I started reading about the big four consulting firms and the kind of projects that they were involved in. And I fell in love with the concept of using my technical background to help businesses thrive. And so I was determined to get into one of these companies, uh, started interviewing, uh, interviewed with Accenture and, and eventually got hired by Accenture. Are there specific skills that you learned in your role as a consultant that you think apply into the sales and sales operations world? Yeah, absolutely. Typically, the projects that we were hired to do at Accenture, customer had an idea of what they wanted to accomplish, but upon further investigation, maybe they really had a different pain point. And it was really about being in tune to their needs, understanding their business. And that would even lead to, you know, additional consulting opportunities to do more projects. So really taught me about really listening to your client, building a relationship with the client, 
And so sales kind of started to come naturally as a byproduct of that. Obviously, those things are so relevant to, to sales, consultative selling versus challenger selling. In your role at Accenture, was there a blend of those two things or was it really more one than the other? It was definitely the challenger selling. I think the memories that I have of projects where we struggled are projects where we sort of took the clients word for word what they needed and, and just executed on that. That I think oftentimes led to longer timelines or situations where you know we had to change course later in the game. Whereas other projects where I remember us really bringing our expertise and offering from the get-go a different approach or focusing in another area, those were the projects where I really remember us being successful and that leading to more business and deep relationships with these clients, which I still keep in contact to this day. When your clients see that you're in the trenches with them and you, you're putting everything, all of your effort, all of your intellect, they see you in the office on the weekends, there's no better way you can build a relationship with your client when they see just the commitment that you bring to benefiting their business. So yeah, still keep in contact with some of these people. Accenture was very much focused on both industry specializations as well as more horizontal specializations. What were your vertical and horizontal specialties? Because I started in New York City, my vertical was financial services and my horizontal was digital skills. So the great thing about that was, you know, I was able to do analytics projects, uh, you know, backend infrastructure development projects with any industry, but my entry point was financial services. And have you found that the skills that apply to systems architecture within financial services apply also to systems architecture within the sales world? Or what, what similarities are and what differences are there? One of my most early projects that I remember was a revamping of a database. Every corporation uses the same infrastructure, right? They have a database, they have a, a CRM, enterprise resource planning software. So it's very similar. You can replicate the process of transformation or systems implementation across pretty much any industry with you know nuances here and there. A lot of corporations were going through the same waves of transformation. First, it was like the relational database transformation. Then it was like the BI revolution. Then it was the big data revolution. But it was always very similar types of projects all around. And did you work on any specific sales-related projects, either CRM projects or BI for sales, sales effectiveness? I did. So one of our clients was a large communication high-tech company in the install base business. I had an opportunity to move around different departments, started in the channel partner metrics space where we would basically measure the performance of all the different channel partners. An incredibly complex business, 50,000 SKUs of products and you know, incentives for, for these partners and then moved around to marketing and helping them serve up insights to their sales folks, pulling data from you know, real-time analytics on their customers. I think I spent four years with this client, so I had a chance to really get a feel for you know, various aspects of the sales lifecycle and the funnel. And it sounds like you're moving through different roles in Accenture and trying out different industries as well, since you moved from telecom to high-tech Honestly, it was an amazing experience. I'm very grateful to Accenture. I had an opportunity to try 
a lot of different things. Had a chance to be a part of one of the largest merger integrations in Wall Street. It gave me a lot of experience in different areas. And it really taught me about where will I really thrive and what types of roles will I thrive? And ultimately figured out that, you know, I like to build things. I like to lead execution teams, strategy, and, and, you know, the more management consulting side of things wasn't really my strong suit. Right. Because the management consulting side, you're coming up with the plan, but you're not necessarily actually executing on that plan and seeing your plan come into the world, right? Exactly. Didn't align with my skills. Yep. So you're at Accenture for quite a while and ultimately decided to make the move over to LinkedIn. How did that come about? I've always been a fan of LinkedIn. Their mission statement, which is to bring economic opportunity to every person in the workforce, just really, really resonated with me. And was interviewed for a few roles, was always trying to figure out how to get in. Finally, this role that I'm in today really gave me an opportunity to be involved from a tech perspective in helping sales teams be successful. So it was sort of a accumulation of all of my experience. And I've always also wanted to be involved with, you know, the latest tech startups. So through this role, I had a chance to meet a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs and talking about their products and how our salespeople can use them to be effective. So I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Yeah, it's fun to get to test out all the great new toys that are out there. And if you look at, <laughs> at the sales tech landscapes, I mean, obviously Sales Loft is kind of in that world, but there are dozens and dozens, if not a hundred plus companies in the sales tech landscape. So I imagine you got a lot of stuff to kick the tires. Oh, yeah. Off. One pattern that I think I've seen is in the initial days, right? People would try and build their own solutions, build their own analytic solutions, build their own internal tools. Then you saw this shift of third-party SaaS solutions solving specific pain points that had maybe a feature that could help bring more productivity to teams. But now it's like there's this new movement of the platforms. There's platforms who are now bringing in all of these different features, the calendaring, the cadence, the analytics. I feel like there's this consolidation of feature sets into a platform. And I think that's going to be you know, the new race, who becomes the king of the platforms. Very interesting times. As you prioritize the components that you would want in a sales platform, what components are you looking for? Yeah, what we're looking for is, first and foremost, analytics. Analytics has been difficult to get a consolidated view into all of the sales motions that our teams make. Having clear analytics that can help guide us from a coaching perspective is key. A sales tech, a sales engagement tool, will help you manage complexity. It will help you manage all of the tasks, especially top of the funnel, like our teams are in sales development. But what a sales technology tool will not do for you is help you figure out and cut through the noise of what are the right actions to take. Marketing has done, I think, a phenomenal job uh, at LinkedIn and identifying and slicing through the noise to identify the signal. And then a sales engagement tool can really take it to the next level and making sure that you're hitting the people that are truly showing a signal. Companies like LinkedIn, I think, are making fairly big investments into really dissecting, like, what is the signal from the noise? And then using tools like SalesLoft to help really attack that signal and make sure we're hitting the customers at the right time. There's the marketing world, the sales engagement world you talked about already. Then the next piece would be opportunity management, presumably, and then ultimately customer success. Do you separate those things? Would you think about different platforms for each of those areas or, or would you 
ideally want to see those converge as well. I would like to see more convergence in our ability to nurture people at different stages of the funnel. I think there's an opportunity for marketing teams to to have more visibility throughout different points in the funnel. So when people disengage, maybe they need to just be pushed over the fence to make a decision. If they're earlier in the funnel, they need a more passive nurturing campaign to eventually get them to a point to where they're ready to have a demo or a discussion. So I, I definitely see the need for more convergence in marketing technology throughout the funnel. So inclusive of both standard marketing, pre-customer marketing, demand generation and nurturing, as well as product marketing or customer marketing, which we're starting to see a bit more of now as well. I would assume it includes both of those things. I'm even thinking non-existing customers who get to a certain point in the funnel and then disengage for, for, for whatever reasons. There's an opportunity to, to pull that person back into the funnel. Another thing that comes in and out and is sometimes an eye roller and sometimes not as artificial intelligence or machine learning technologies. Have you seen anything that's caught your eye of, you know, in those hundreds, if not thousands of companies in that sales tech landscape on the AI and machine learning side? Honestly, I haven't seen a tool that I feel like has really nailed, you know, the usage of AI and helping identify sales prospects where I have seen significant improvement is in the natural language processing space and the ability to categorize conversations by sentiment, to really coach the way you speak with clients. One area where I have seen some success, and I haven't looked into this recently, but there was a time where there was a startup doing some work in the install-based space. So basically, with companies who have a, a very large inventory of products, you know, these products need maintenance. These products come for renewal. Sort of automating the process of suggesting that customers renew and automating the process of suggesting cross-selling of products that go along with these expensive pieces of hardware. That's, I think, the one area where I have seen big advances and it has really made an impact on companies' revenue. But in a place like our business, there's not enough data points to make a case for you know, the usage of AI or machine learning. I do think the AI solutions in coaching are helpful. One is in the conversational intelligence world, but there's also a new cadre of companies who've come about. They'll look at how an individual salesperson is performing in terms of activities or opportunity factors whether it's days in stage or close rates or next steps and so on. And they'll be able to at least provide an advanced warning signal to managers that something is going wrong or maybe even a positive thing that this person is a bright spot. And if you figure out what they're doing, you can teach that to other people. If sales reps are not performing the number of activities or the touches that they need to, they basically won't hit their numbers. So yeah, that sounds like a very useful uh, use, use case for AI. And then besides AI, are there any other waves that you've seen sweeping through that we have not already talked about? Yes. So the the whole idea about cadence, it was a cutting edge concept, I think, three, four years ago. More players have come into the space and there's more, more players starting to penetrate. What that means is just more noise for the customer. I think that the um, sales engagement tools that will uh, rise above are people who can maintain the messaging and those outreach, make it personalized. Not only that, but make sure you're engineering so that you know these messages aren't hitting spam. 
So there's still, I think, some levels of innovation that companies are going to have to make to make sure they're still standing out, even though this space is, is becoming more crowded. And also enriching the product with other areas of value. I feel like there is definitely a race for who's going to become the best platform out there. And the best platform is going to be ultimately the, the product who can address all of the pain points of the seller. If there's somebody who wants to chart a path into a job like yours, right, where you are on the sales ops side and get this incredible opportunity to evaluate lots of different platforms, what are some of the skills that they need to pick up in order to make that transition? I think establishing a, a solid foundation in, in marketing and sales. I recommend consulting to anyone who has any doubts as to what career path you know you should take or what you're good at. Consulting has been a great training ground for me and it's helped me gain a lot of skills in these areas. So I think establishing that foundation and just showing a passion for technology. It doesn't hurt if you are an aspiring entrepreneur yourself. I went through a few uh, programs that are designed to help entrepreneurs early on. So however you can, you can make your profile stick out is really helpful. Well, it's, it's such a pleasure to talk to another person who considers themselves to be sales impaired, meaning we found our way <laughs> through the accidental path. Yes, build relationships, build friends, make friends, build relationships, and sales will come as a byproduct. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.